0: Hello, gorgeous friends. Welcome to the Embracing Enough podcast. You know, I've always said that one thing is for sure, and that's that women and girls have some incredible stories to tell. And that's what we do here. We share our stories in the hopes that we'll allow others to feel seen, heard, and hopefully less alone. This is your host, Dina Skippa, founder of Enough Labs, and I am so excited that you're here. And this is is our third season. You know, when I started out this podcasting journey, I had no idea where it was gonna go. But here we are having some much needed conversations around our enoughness, our confidence, and how to own our truth. This season, we're coming together to acknowledge what we've been through and to own the story powerfully without shame and declare that we want more for ourselves. So if you're just joining, welcome. And here's some deets about me. I'm an empowerment coach and a confidence coach, a motivational speaker, a gender equality advocate, and a goal-crushing boss. I love all things dance and even more things travel. I love to laugh. And I've realized that I have a very low tolerance for surface conversation. So it's gonna get real over here. But the hope is that you always walk away with something to help you on your journey. And listen, I've been on my own journey in embracing my enoughness for a very long time. I've had to unlearn the toxic narratives that have taught me to abandon myself for far too long. And my obsession with unlearning? Well, we're gonna be focused on that in season three. And it comes from a desire to connect with you in a deeper, more honest way. To reclaim the fire that we know is living inside of each of us, rather than hyper-focusing on the things within ourselves that we're told we need to fix. Each week, either myself or another incredible guest, will we'll be dropping gems on all things confidence, empowered action, and what we've been consciously unlearning to show up as our fullest selves. The goal is to create space for meaningful, authentic conversation, all while embodying the essence of joy, abundance, and permission every step of the way, and to help you align even closer with your truth. Consider me your personal coach throughout these episodes, your confidant, your ally, and most importantly, your sister friend. Are you ready? Let's get started. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Embracing Enough. Podcast brought to you by Enough Labs. It is your girl Dina, and I am sitting down with an amazing woman who we were just chatting about the fact that it is so weird in this state, this time in our lives, that we are connecting to people on social media that we somehow have formed a friendship in our heads. About. <laughs> I am sitting here with Molly Goodman, who just moved to the neighborhood here in Northeast DC, which I am so excited. Molly Goodman is someone I stumbled across on Instagram. But I love everything about her. I love the way she shows up. I love the way that she encourages people to take up space. And we are going to get all into her story today. But let me just start off with a little bit of her background. Um, Molly Goodman. She is a certified life coach dedicated to helping women develop intuitive self-trust, love that, and heal their body image. She guides clients into the gray area of life so they can abandon perfectionism and diet culture instead of abandoning themselves. Love that. (laughs) Using a unique combination of coaching, creative self-care techniques, and mindset makeovers, she teaches her clients to love and respect their bodies exactly as they are. It's her mission to help women honor their needs, observe their habits, infuse magic into everyday life, and expand into that next- level version of themselves when she's not helping clients ditch diet culture for good she loves seeing live theater watching Shit's creek we have that in common and drinking way too many vanilla oat milk lattes which we also have in common, but I go for almond (laughs) milk.
1: Thank you, Molly, for being with us. How are you today? I'm so good, Dina. Thank you so much for having me. This is so fun already.
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh. Like I said, I'm not trying to be a creeper, but (laughs) I've been following you for months. I happened to find out that you lived in the DMV and now even more excited that you live even closer. So we- we're going to have to get that vanilla latte. For sure.
1: <laughs> For For sure. sure. Absolutely. <laughs> but
0: you know, it's, it's just so funny how we have, we were just chatting about how we came into this work. We all have our stories and the way that you show up, share and encourage other women to ditch perfectionism, to ditching toxic diet culture and everything about body image just really resonated with me. But no bucks, just like period, full yeah. stop. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, it's um, it's something that is very near and dear to my heart. And like you said, storytelling is also something that's near and dear to my heart. Um, I grew up in the theater, in the arts world, and it's just a passion of mine to be able to tell my story, to hope that it reaches other people the way that it's reached you. And other folks in my orbit on social media and yeah I just think that there's something really powerful about being able to stand in your truth and know that you are just making a difference by speaking your mind and so yeah I'm all about it.
0: We were just chatting about what the last two years have sort of felt like Mm -hmm. and it's interesting that you bring up storytelling because I think the silver lining I think over the last two years is I've been really inspired by how how much more I'm seeing people come forward and stand in their truth to mm. really share their story unapologetically. And it was actually a huge like source of inspiration for creating the Enough, this podcast, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. e Enough podcast, because I really think that when you share your story, you give truth to power. You're able mm-hmm. to help others see themselves in your story. So I feel like that's an appropriate place to start off. Why yeah. don't you tell us your story? Molly.
1: Oh my gosh. So, my story. So, I'm originally from Boston. So, the Massachusetts area. Are you also from? Who so am I? What the heck? All right. We're just going to keep finding coincidences along the way. We're just going to, yeah, absolutely. Not surprising. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I grew up in the Boston area, went to school in Boston for theater. um And I, gosh, since I was little, I struggled with my weight, struggled with my body. Um, I, I'm six feet tall, so I'm also, I've always been bigger than everybody um, by that standard. And, you know, something that was really big for me when I was little was both using food, food was seen for me as comfort, and it was also sort of this thing that was weaponized, right? It was a thing that I was not supposed to want but it was also something that was super comforting. And so I remember turning to food for most of my childhood, but then also being either chastised for it, or there were comments about my body. Um, My father's side of the family is on the larger side. And there was sort of this very subtle underlying Idea of, well, we don't want you to look like them. That sort of like us and them mentality around bodies. And it was something I internalized for such a long time. I went to my first Weight Watchers meeting when I was 12. I did Jenny Craig when I was 16. I, you know, I did it all because that's what you do when you are in a bigger body, especially growing up in the 90s and the early 2000s. And, you know, I really subscribed to all of that for such a long time. And as I got older, um, I also was sort of a a late bloomer when it came to romance and relationships. And I was in my head, there was this thing that was like, you're never going to find somebody if you're not thin. And that was sort of this mantra, this thing that was in my brain. And so my sort of last big dieting attempt was when I was just out of college, I was 22. 23. And I was in such a dark place because I had just graduated college with an arts degree. (laughs) I was like, what am I going to do with my life? It was right after the recession and I was lost. And food was one of those things that I can control. And it was really the only thing I could control at the time. And so I really focused on that. I lost a bunch of weight and I felt like I had done it. I had done the thing And not soon after I had lost all that weight, I got a job, um, a full-time job, my first full-time job out of college. And not soon after that, I got a boyfriend for the first time when I was 24. And all of those things led me to believe that, okay, well, my body looks like this, so now I'm deserving of these things, right? And that was just the message that I was fed and that we're all fed (laughs) day in and day out in this world. And as I got into that relationship and as, you know, my comfort levels shifted, my focus on my body became less so, and I started to put weight back on. I wasn't so focused on counting points or calories or all of that. And I just became a lot more present, but I was also dealing with a lot of anxiety around that and a lot of codependent behavior that I didn't really realize was codependent. And so over the years, as I've gained weight back and shifted into a different relationship with my body and food, uh, that absolutely impacted not only my relationship with myself, but my relationship with my now ex. Mm -hmm. Um, so back in 2019, um, I had the unfortunate experience of my boyfriend telling me that he needed a break and that was the fall of 2019, Um, We were living together. And he told me this, and I was completely devastated. I was blindsided. I didn't know what to do. And it was that moment in time, fall of 2019, when everything started to shift for me. And I started researching codependency. I started researching people pleasing and perfectionism. And lo and behold, I really believe in that sort of divine timing, the right people are put on your path at the right time kind of thing. And I found a podcast by my now coach Victoria um, and it was all about overcoming codependency. And I was like, this is exactly what I needed. And you know, after a month of a break, my now ex came back. We tried to work things out. Of course, a few months after that happened COVID hit and as COVID hit and the world started to change, I got to a place where I just felt stuck. I felt like I didn't quite know what to do. I had been in therapy for years. I had felt like I had made a lot of personal shifts and I had worked through a lot of things, but I still felt stuck. And it just so happens, of course, right after COVID hit that my coach who was not my coach at the time, but was giving a webinar all about overcoming codependency was championing her course um her six-month program group program and i went to the webinar i had a phone call consultation with her and i immediately in my gut was my gut was screaming it was like you have to do this i had no business doing it financially i was like what are you doing COVID is happening you could lose your job and still that voice inside me was yelling at me to do this and i did it and i took the leap and so i joined that coaching program About a month into the coaching program, I messaged my coach and I said, I think I want to be a coach too. And she said, cool, I've been waiting for you to say that since the second I met you. (laughs) And I was like, cool, we're on the same page. And yeah, the rest is really history. I mean, all of the work that I did in that program starting in May of 2020 really has informed where I am now because it completely changed my relationship to myself, my relationship to food in my body, and it built on all of the foundational things that I had already been learning and sort of growing through in my own therapy journey. And it just kind of put really into perspective the how part of it. I think there was always an understanding of the why and getting coached and being in community with other like-minded people who were going through similar things really gave me the opportunity to understand, okay, here is how you do the work. And here's how to kind of continue doing the work. And it's not pretty, it's not fun, but it is so necessary. And I can look back on it now and just feel so much gratitude for it. And that's why I am a coach now is because I took the opportunity to heal myself and to understand what that looks like. And I know how powerful it is. And because my relationship to food and my body has changed so much I just love being able to be a champion for that for others and that's I mean long story but here we are and I'm just I'm so excited to be able to pay it forward in that respect
0: I wish to the person who's listening to this interview right now could see my face because I am beaming shaking my my head like everything that you were saying is so spot on yeah two girls from New England, growing up around the same time with Mm -hmm. the same toxic messaging, expectations around what you have to look like in order to be deserving. Mm -hmm. And then like, who would have ever imagined this trajectory of life and experience Mm -hmm. to become full circle Mm -hmm. in the middle of a pandemic? And this is why I trust my intuition, mm-hmm. Molly, because I found you on Instagram, <laughs> been following you for some months and I'm like, I, I need to talk to her. And it's like everything that you just shared. Yep. I'm in a space of such gratitude for trusting myself, <laughs> but mm-hmm. also for the such gratitude for the work that you do mm-hmm. because it goes so beyond repairing your relationship to body, right? But it's yeah. it's as I introduced you with looking at that experience that i think as women sometimes we've become so numb to the idea that we just continue to abandon ourselves yes and so it's like yes it's about body image but it's so much bigger than that absolutely so we're gonna get into that don't worry yeah so um you know i i i share with you and i and i share with everyone who listens to to embracing enough about that this season i was just really called to have this spotlight focus on unlearning and you know, as a huge part of anyone's unlearning journey, I think it has a lot to do with breaking up with toxic thought patterns that Mm -hmm. are not doing us any favors. (laughs) But what I find to, there is nothing, there's a lot of toxic elements of our society and Mm -hmm. our conditioning, but there's nothing more toxic than diet culture's bullshit. Yep. And when you take into consideration that, so like you were saying, you know, for so many years you subscribe to it. I would almost push back a little bit. Like what, was it even a choice to right. subscribe or not? Right. And so I mean, as, as a part of, of subscribing to the diet culture, it's not like you come out of it, loving your body. You actually come right. out of it still hating your body. So it's, it's absolutely sanity. So you speak to a lot of women through the different ways that you coach. And I'm curious to know what surprises you the most about how we as women still struggle to love the bodies that we're in, as opposed to constantly, constantly nitpicking it of how it could look better.
1: Yeah. I think what's so interesting about all of this work in particular, and what I see in my clients journeys is this idea that number one, that there's some sort of destination to be had when it comes to your body or yourself. And There's also this cognitive dissonance that I think happens when you see somebody else going through whatever journey they're going through, perhaps showing up on social media, wearing a crop top and just going like ham and being so excited to show off their body. And then looking at that and saying, well, that's great for her, but I can't do that. And I think the reason so much of this work feels really difficult is because it's really rooted in that binary thinking. It's rooted in the either or. And I am somebody that is a staunch believer in the yes and. And I think what happens is we see these other people, we see this message that we maybe strive for, or we long to have that thing, or we long to have the feeling we think we're gonna get once we get that thing. (laughs) And yet we then turn inward and go, well, I don't have the tools. I don't know what to do. I can't get to that space. It feels really far away. And that's what I talk about a lot with my clients is you don't have to go to the opposite end of the spectrum. Nobody is telling you, or there are a lot of people with the sort of toxic positivity stuff going on, right? There are a lot of people that are going to say, well, just love your body and everything's fine or ignore the fat phobia and everything's fine. It's like, well, actually there are systemic issues in our culture that make bodies oppressed, particularly those of us in larger bodies, Mm -hmm. right? And so my job as a coach is to work with people on figuring out, okay, how can we move 1% in the opposite direction of where you're at now? How can we turn the dial just a little bit so that you start to feel safer? You start to feel like you have more capacity to endure some of the discomfort around all of this. And I think what's important too, what you were saying around toxic thought patterns is it's crucial to start rewriting those stories, but we can't rewrite them from the lens of, I hate my body to I love my body because our brains aren't built that way. (laughs) We're not designed to go from one end of the spectrum to the other. So it's about figuring out, okay, well, this isn't working for me anymore. How do I shift it just a little bit? Mm And at the same time, having appreciation and understanding for the parts of ourselves that needed those stories and needed those things to be true. Because when I look back on my journey, I think about how evangelical I was. I think that's the best way to describe it when it comes to weight loss and diets and changing my body and body shame and all of that for myself and others. And I look back on it now and I think, gosh, you know, she needed that. Younger Molly needed that. That was her gospel. That was her truth. That was was what she subscribed to because it was all she knew. And I didn't have the tools and I didn't have the understanding of myself to be even able to question it. And I was just chatting about this with my membership community, this idea of when the light bulb goes off, when the switch just turns, there's a moment that I think we all have in this unlearning journey around our bodies and diet culture, where you start to ask the question, well, what if this didn't have to be true anymore? And that's where you can start really moving in a different path. But if you're in the dark, if you're entrenched in it, and you don't even have the opportunity to ask the question, of course you're gonna be stuck. It Mm. makes sense. Of
0: course. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. So many gems.
1: Mm.
0: I just need a minute, my
1: gosh. (laughs) Take as many minutes as you need. It's just, it's, Yeah.
0: yeah. I, I mean, I hope anyone who's listening is like playing this back in the parts that, that, that need to come forward. And, and I have this image, obviously, ha- having just met you, thinking of, you know, 12-year-old Molly, thinking yeah. of 12-year-old Dina, and the things that we subscribe to because it was the only thing we knew. Mm-hmm. We didn't have the language around it. And, you know, a lot of times when I speak to, to women I work with, it's, it's not about chastising yourself and having all of this judgment for those previous versions of you. You said it right. so beautifully. It's like, it's like, accept all the parts of you because mm-hmm. every single part of you has gotten you to this point. Mm-hmm. So if you can accept and understand that where you are right now isn't working for you, isn't mm-hmm. serving you, just moving that 1%. It's so powerful. But one thing that really stuck out for me from something you just said was about having that sense of safety mm-hmm. in your body. And I really want to unpack that for a second because, do you find that if you're a woman who is struggling with toxic diet culture and body image, that you also struggle with having that sense of self trust and safety just in your body? Can you speak to that a little bit more?
1: Absolutely. I think that it's are- an. Ob- I mean, I feel like it's an obvious question, but I would yeah. love to hear from you. Well, it's it's inextricably linked because yeah. the whole sort of realm of diet culture and the way that diet culture thrives and when we talk diet culture just to kind of clarify Mm -hmm. this too i don't necessarily mean a specific diet we talk about the culture in and of itself that quote unquote thin is best thin equals healthy and that there's no room for body diversity and diet culture is a system that is actually a capitalist system that makes money off of oppressing bodies So when I say diet culture, I don't mean like keto or Weight Watchers or et cetera, et cetera. I mean like the system at large. Mm -hmm. The system at large really is designed to have you seeking external validation. It's designed for you to not even consult yourself on what you need. So what I see in clients all the time is this complete inability sometimes to even check in with themselves or know that it's okay to ask themselves first, what do I need in this moment? Because we're so designed to follow that meal plan, follow that health guru, subscribe to this diet, do the thing that somebody else lays out for me, because it's easier to just outsource your sense of self rather than discover it and feel deeply rooted in it because the messages are so pervasive, right? That you need this other thing. And so once you start to realize, okay, cool, here's that other thing, right? Maybe that doesn't work for me. Once you start to recognize that, once the wheels start turning and you go, okay, yeah, I see that thing over there. And you start asking yourself, but does this jive with me? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: How do I actually feel about it? That's when you can start to create That safety in yourself. It's by acknowledging, hey, this is the thing that exists out there. It's not going away, it's still out there. And there are going to be other people probably in my life, in my inner circle too, that are going to still take that as the gospel truth and things to be followed to the letter. And yet I can start to go, okay, well, maybe I don't want to not eat bread. (laughs) Maybe I don't want to only use skim milk or drink black coffee every day. Maybe I like half and half. Maybe I like real pasta, right? Like it's about checking in with yourself and going, what do I even like? Because so much of diet culture is about telling you what to like, telling you what to do. So that you're seeking can the
0: be validation. Connected. That, yeah. And, and seeking the validation that you did it right. Yes. Right. So for anyone who's a people pleaser or a perfectionist, nope. like we're um, we're running rampant over here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. And the way you're unpacking things just really sheds light on on you know demystifying it. And I think live terms are thrown out really, you know, really often. And and I wanted to see if you could talk to us about what's happening in the context of like the body positivity movement versus the language that you use more often, which is radical self-acceptance, I Mm
1: feel,
0: right? Um, And and how do you feel about the differences between what I feel like is sort of an outdated conversation on body positivity and moving more into that evolved, more authentic conversation about radical self-acceptance?
1: Sure, well, I think it's important too, to note that body positivity as it was originally created was a social justice movement that was created by fat women and women of color because their bodies were being oppressed. And unfortunately, as with many things, it has been co-opted in different ways and sort of twisted into this, you know, body positivity equals loving your body, no matter what.
0: Yeah.
1: And it's been co-opted by a lot of thin cis white women. <laughs> uh And companies, frankly, when you think about different clothing lines or even diet brands that have sort of started to co-opt language in the body positivity community. Mm -hmm. Um, So just to note that originally, that's not what body positivity was for. It wasn't for you to feel good about your body. It was so that a group of marginalized people could really work against oppression. Um, And so that's why I don't really work within that framework of body positivity because i think number one it's been co-opted number two it's not necessarily or at least the co-opted version of it that's sort of the like love yourself no matter what quote unquote doesn't account for nuance it doesn't account for complexity it doesn't account for the fact that no matter what you do unfortunately diet culture is the air that we breathe it's the water we swim in We're just, we're here, we're along for the ride. And going back to using our favorite word, and you get to decide how you want to engage with it. And I think that's why when I think about radical self-acceptance, I see that as the inroad to then being able to become active as a participant in the conversation around social change, because it's really friggin' hard to stand up for others. If you feel like crap about yourself, Mm. if you can't sit with yourself, if you can't articulate how you're feeling or process your emotions or understand what's going on for you, you're not very useful (laughs) to the larger movement. And so there's a lot of conversation, I think, around fat liberation and body liberation and wanting to sort of disconnect this sort of like i don't care if you love your body like fight for the for the people that are marginalized it's like yes and it's really hard to do that when you don't feel good right. when you're judging yourself and viewing yourself so harshly so that's why i think all of it is completely intertwined in that when you're able to start showing up for yourself in a different way you then have that ripple effect in your life where you start calling in community you start understanding the marginalization of people you start understanding those oppressive systems and being able to stand up against them if that's what you choose to do but you're able to do it from a such much more grounded place and it feels much more natural and f- honestly refreshing and empowering versus that sort of i think the body positivity quote unquote platitudes of like just love your body everything's fine it just it doesn't do it for me. So radical self-acceptance for me is, okay, understanding who I am, who I want to become, and showing up in a way of, I'm going to lead by example, but being able to really come home to yourself first and then join the march.
0: Ooh. And the movement needs all of these perspectives. Yes. Without it, with without that sort of like Connection to self and that mm-hmm. trust in self, you know, you're you're no good to the movement, and and that's going to yeah. So I mean, whew, all all day long, I am subscribing to this by yes. choice. Okay, mm-hmm. well, yes, and on, exactly. On your website, you hooked me in immediately because you write mm-hmm. you had me at diet culture and the patriarchy have convinced you to spend your life playing small. Mm-hmm. Say that again. <laughs> Diet culture and the patriarchy have convinced you to spend your life playing small. Mm -hmm. Do you know that I actually had, I'm like unapologetically feminist. I say it all the time. We love that. Had a client early on in my journey say they didn't want to work with me because I was so forthright. I'm like, well, Mm. all all the power to you, best of luck. Anyone who talks about the patriarchy is like, (laughs) it's my love language. (laughs) (laughs) So we've been talking about like subscribing to this, right? We Did we really have a choice at like, you know, nine years old, 10 years old, 15 years old, right? But talk to us about the connection that you see between diet culture specifically and the patriarchy and why these two toxic themes have women taking up the least amount of space.
1: Well, I think it's, it's rooted in exactly what your podcast is all about, Dina. It's about enoughness mm-hmm. and the patriarchy and men being in charge and writing the rules and creating this system and this paradigm where women are meant to be seen and not heard, mm-hmm. where they are objects for consumption, right? it directly plays into diet culture because if you're an object of consumption, then you better be the most beautiful, tiniest, prettiest flowery version of yourself that you can be.
0: And right? anything; Just stay there and look pretty.
1: Yep, exactly. And they feed off each other, right? It's diet culture and the patriarchy are just, they go hand in hand, they feed each other. And When I think about this idea of taking up space and versus taking up as little space as possible, that's both physically, that's Mm -hmm. emotionally, that's spiritually, mentally, whatever it is. It's about this idea that, and, and this is something that I grappled with so much and that I see in my clients too. It's this idea of I'm too much and not enough all at the same time. That part. And it's maddening. It's so maddening, because you then get stuck in that space of, well, which do I listen to? And so you spend your life vacillating between those two things of, I'm too much, I need to shrink. I'm not enough, I need to do everything. (laughs) Right? And you go back and forth, back and forth, and then you're just chronically exhausted,
0: and the patriarch is so happy yeah. because you're, exactly. you're spinning in between yeah. these thoughts and that doesn't give you any time to actually do the things or just
1: yes. the things that really need to be changed. Exactly. If you're so busy doing that, then you don't have any time to really pay attention to things that are happening in the world that are suppressing you. You, they get to pull the wool over your eyes, right? I think that's a Naomi Wolf quote and i'll probably butcher it but it's something like a society based on female thinness something about female thinness being associated with female obedience mm. the idea of it's not about being thin it's about keeping women obedient and that's exactly it that's the patriarchy is keeping women obedient
0: sure. and
1: People didn't know what it was about. yeah
0: Molly Goodman just handed it to you
1: yeah (laughs) and if you're obedient yeah you're also obeying diet culture right you're obeying the rules somebody else's rules for you rather than coming up with what works for you Mm
0: -hmm. yeah so I am so inspired by this conversation but I'm also inspired no not but and I am also inspired by the way that you always show up and how you encourage women to take up space, to be creative in their own self-discovery and that connection with self. And um, as a coach, as someone who has been on their own healing journey, healing these parts um, of themself, I, I personally feel that this can be a tough road, to walk Mm -hmm. like sharing yourself vulnerably Mm -hmm. doing the damn thing to put it out there because you know the vision is so important it was placed on you for a reason um what have you dealt with when it comes to unpacking your journey the journey of so many women that you know can relate to this with what parts tell us what parts you've liked and what you've learned about yourself and if you don't mind sharing, what are the parts that you could have done without?
1: (laughs) You could still do without. (laughs) Absolutely. Gosh, I think something that I've learned over time is I've really started to understand what it means for me to speak unapologetically from my side of the street (laughs) to be able to say, well, this is how I've experienced this. I think a lot of that came up when I was talking about my breakup in particular and being fearful of people judging me or things getting back to certain people. And I really got to a place where through my own work with my coach, with therapy, walking my walk and being able to be like, you know what? so what? (laughs) I'm still speaking my truth. Whatever the repercussions are going to be, they're going to be. But at (laughs) least I said what I needed to say. I said it in a way that I wasn't maligning anybody. I wasn't really, I wasn't tearing anybody down. I was lifting myself up. I was doing something that meant I had a voice. I had a perspective. And Here are the things that have been painful for me. And I know that I'm not alone because I can't be alone. We're all human and we all experience things like this. And I've repeatedly had to work on okay, why am I sharing this? Why does this feel important? Why do I feel called? And I'm somebody that is very much, um, I do better sort of off the cuff than I do very much pre-planned. And if you're into human design, that's probably, that's a thing that's very big with me. I'm a projector and part of my sort of inner authority is really feeling that quiet knowing. And I just kind of have these intuitive little hits here and there. And so discovering that about myself of not feeling pressured, and this is maybe moving into the space of things that I don't like so much, feeling that pressure of having to have everything perfectly planned out having, you know, my Instagram captions be exactly this length or talking about a specific thing or in this, you know, very methodical, organized way. For a long time, I beat myself up for that, for not being able to show up that way. And when I decided to throw that out the window and just show up when I felt like showing up and not show up when I don't feel like showing up, is when I started to feel that much more aligned to my own Mm -hmm. message, because who am I to teach authenticity and radical self-acceptance if I can't walk the walk, if I can't decide, you know what, this week I'm not posting anything (laughs) or this week I'm gonna show up every damn day (laughs) because I have something to say, right? But giving myself the permission Mm -hmm. to go with that And instead of, you know, for those of, of you who are in the sort of like online business realm of you have to post this many times and you have to do this and you have to do reels and you have to blah, 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 blah. Right. When I really threw all the rules out the window and I think I'm, I've firmly discovered for me, it's, it's a blessing and a curse. I don't do well with hard and fast rules in any aspect of my life. And so once I started looking at things from a, okay, well, here's a menu of all the opportunities and the options you have. What do you want to pick on that menu today? Which one feels right? And also giving myself the opportunity to say, well, let's put the menu down and go to sleep, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Like Let's not even look at the menu today. And I think that's, that's been such a gift and also it was a hard hard road to go on, especially in the early days of my entrepreneurship and still can be of, you know, I wanna show up. There are some days where I feel like, you know, they talk about this idea of teaching from the scar, not the wound, right? And for me, there are times when it may not fully be scarred yet, we're still in the wound, but I feel called to speak. And so I'm going to do it. There are also times where like, you know what? I am way too deep in this. There is no way I can show up. I'll come back to this when I'm ready. And giving myself permission to kind of ebb and flow throughout that and figure out what works and what doesn't. But just know that when I feel called to speak on something, somebody out there, I don't care how many, as long as it's one person is able to hear it and it resonates for them, then I've done my job.
0: That's it. What I hear inside of that in the good, the bad, the Mm -hmm. (laughs) in-between is in every single space that you navigate, there's a choice Mm -hmm. and you make that choice based on not abandoning yourself. What feels deeply true for you. Okay. I I am obsessed with this conversation and I'm so glad you said yes. I'm gonna I'm gonna close this out with um, something that Brene Brown does, who I absolutely love. Yes. And we're gonna do some rapid fire questions. Are you okay Great. with that? Okay. Yeah, perfect. All right, don't overthink it, whatever comes to mind. Okay, love it. if your body could talk right now, what would it say?
1: It would say, girl, take a nap. <laughs> yeah, and it would okay. say also, thank you.
0: was was your body saying
1: something different five years ago oh yeah my body five years ago was saying are you sure Mm.
0: Mm. now it's a thank you
1: Mm -hmm. i love that Mm.
0: what is the number one thing that makes you feel great about your body
1: Mm. i think dancing Mm. dancing and just like move in and groove in. Love it. Love it.
0: Love it. What makes you feel worse?
1: I uh, too much stress or mm. taking on other people's stuff.
0: Got it. Okay. Finish the sentence. Self-love to me feels like coming home. Mm. Giving myself permission for today looks like going with the flow. <laughs> Last one. My absolute all day female crush who adores her body and inspires me on the daily is?
1: I mean, currently it's Lizzo. Yeah. Who's isn't? Who's isn't? It's probably a toss up between Lizzo right now and Tess Holiday. Love it. Yeah. Love it.
0: So to close out this incredible conversation, I am just curious. And one last question yes. is, what are you currently unlearning? In this season mm-hmm. of life,
1: this season of life, I'm unlearning a lot about relationships and about uh, sexuality and my own sort of desires and feminine energy. So I'm unlearning a lot about, again, that patriarchy, right? Um learning about what feels good for me and what I need to be uh, with somebody or without somebody, um, what it's like being single. I'm sort of unlearning a lot of stuff about all of that right now, but it's great.
0: It's great. Thank you for sharing. Thanks for letting us in to all of your wisdom, this entire journey that you've been so bold and brave to step out on. Let us know, how can people find you? How can they work with you?
1: So they can find me on Instagram at Molly Goodman coach, or my website is just mollygoodman.com. Um, so yeah, I would love to see you there. I currently have a wonderful membership community that's open called bring your own body or BYOB as I so affectionately call it. Um, so that is available to join anytime. And I'm also, uh, available for private coaching if that's something that you're looking for. So yeah, mollygoodman.com. Check it out.
0: Molly, thank you so much for scheduling our latte.
1: Yes. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> I love it.
0: All right. We'll talk soon.
1: Thanks so much, that. Gina.
0: Hey friend, thanks for listening. I know there are a ton of podcasts out there. So the fact that you check in with this conversation means the absolute world to me. So I hope that you will join us each week, every Thursday when a new episode drops. Because really, we're just here having a conversation, looking for new ways to test out how to show up as our confident, badass selves. Because when you think about it, it's all one big experiment, right? Your life can be the lab. You get to find your answer in what feels good for you. If you walk away from this podcast with one thing, let it be you feeling inspired. Inspired to take bold, empowered action on the things that really matter to you. So check the show notes and learn how you can stay more connected with all of the exciting things that Enough Labs is doing. And be sure to rate and review this podcast. You know I live for feedback. Because this podcast is just one of the many experiments that I am having a blast trying out with. And I'm just here to continue to remind you every week to never stop embracing how enough you already are.